Poland. Uh, things that come to mind. Not a whole lot. No. <laughs> Poland? Probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausages? No, I don't know anything about that country. Poland? Sausages. <laughs> Pierogies? Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to episode 90 of Polcast. This is Margaret Bonikowska, your host and producer. Polcast is produced in Toronto, Canada. Today, I'd like to invite you to listen to my three conversations and get to know these three interesting stories. Many people think this orchestra deserves the Nobel Peace Prize. Indeed, it's unique, and its great power are love, volunteerism, and help for those in need on a truly massive scale. The great orchestra of Christmas charity, in Polish called Wielka Orkiestra Świątecznej Pomocy, or WOSP in short, is not really an orchestra, it is the biggest non-governmental, non-profit charity organization in Poland, which raises money for pediatric and elderly care. It supports healthcare in Poland by purchasing state-of-the-art medical equipment for Polish hospitals and clinics, and by running medical and educational programs. For a number of years, it has ranked on the top of the list of the most trusted public entities, and as the second strongest brand in Poland. It started back in 1993 when it collected its first money. It was quite a lot of money then, $1.5 million US. Now, 29 years later, when it, what we call, plays all over the world, it breaks records every year. This year's final amount is not yet known, but, to give you an idea, last year it collected the record amount of over 48.8 million US dollars. Well, altogether so far in its 28 years, over 188 million US dollars have been collected, which is an equivalent of over 441 million in 2021 US dollars. We say that the orchestra plays. What does it mean? It means the money is raised through its mass charity campaign with millions of people all over Poland and also internationally supporting and donating to it. The mass grassroots movement involves people from all walks of life, politicians, sponsors, private and corporate donors, and most importantly, youth and kids, both in big cities and in small rural communities. The campaign culminates with its great finale, held on the second Sunday in January. This year, in 2021, the 29th grand finale was three weeks later due to COVID-19. What is the finale? Finale is a long-day public fundraiser with a wide variety of creative fun events, concerts, sporting events, and so on and so on. 
The day culminates with a firework display known as Light to the Sky, which takes place in front of the Palace of Culture and Science in Warsaw. The funds are being raised through public money collection, online auctions, as well as personal and corporate donations. Every year, a different area of medicine is supported. This year, 2021, it was laryngology, otolaryngology, and head diagnostics. The volunteers are organized and registered in about 1,400 orchestra teams, which work under close supervision of the headquarters with very strict procedures to ensure full transparency. As many as 79 teams work outside Poland, including such countries as Tanzania, Mexico, Japan, Thailand, Vietnam, Afghanistan, the Philippines, Morocco, Uzbekistan, Venezuela, and Peru. And of course, Canada, where it started back in 2004. Gazeta and Polcast have been media sponsors and partners of Canada's Great Orchestra of Christmas Charity, and I personally organize and MC its annual finale concerts. This year, everything was different, pandemic style. I am talking to Eva Henry Dawson, head of the Canada Orchestra team. So this is the 29th, and the 29th is over, and the Canada team has actually done very well, despite the pandemic. We uh, collected $33,520, which I believe it's an absolutely amazing amount compared to uh, the 48000 and a bit that mm-hmm. we collected last year when we were able to canvas in the usual uh, Polish places in, uh, in Canada, in the GTA and in the other cities like Ottawa, Calgary, Edmonton, Windsor. And we were able to canvas uh, in those cities, wherever Polish people are, people who are very familiar with the idea of the Great Orchestra of Christmas Charity. That's quite an amazing thing. And for the very first time, we also did the final concert that was normally a live concert. This time we did it online. We were very apprehensive, but it turned out to be quite successful. I think, you know, what we uh, as Poles and we as, as us, we are quite effective under pressure. Yeah, <laughs> and we proved that. I think the whole finale, the concert was a great success. The fact that we were able to connect with our audience and our volunteers all over Canada and that everybody participated, everybody felt included. And I think that is what's expressing the whole idea of the orchestra and playing together and gathering together for a common cause. Exactly. And the fact that for the very first time we could actually see each other, right? Because, I mean, there's a bunch of teams all over Canada and, and people were always sending the money they collected, but we never actually got to see each other's faces. This time we did because it was all on Zoom, which was then streamed into a live Facebook event. And the fact that we had to improvise, everybody had fun, everybody felt <laughs> natural. Right. And that was great. It's This was not anything that that had to be rehearsed, nothing that, we had no time, we had no need for that. We we just enjoyed doing it together. Yeah, that's great. And we also saw the artists, right? The artists um, where we showed their acts 
on videos, um, um, which they sent to us. But it was also great because each of those performances was preceded with a chat online, right? When we saw each other, we could talk to each other. How many places participate in that great orchestra every year? How many cities or places in Canada? In Canada, uh, we usually include the GTA as one GTA being Greater Toronto Area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which includes Brampton, Oakville, Mississauga, Hamilton, Ajax, Toronto. These are our volunteers in the GTA. And also we have uh, people in Calgary, in Edmonton, in Ottawa, and Windsor. And we connect with them for third or fourth year. Uh, so they're playing with us and we'll definitely do it again next year. And now that we know each other even better, it's going to be more fun. So somehow the pandemic has proven, well, actually pretty good for the great orchestra of Christmas charity, which is totally extraordinary and one and unique and one only such charity uh, campaign throughout the world, right? Definitely, yeah. And okay. it connects us, connects Polish people living abroad uh, mm-hmm. because it's it's going around the globe. It connects us living in Canada in a very, very positive and, and happy manner. So it's all good, all great. Of course, and the most important thing is that every penny that's gathered anywhere in the world goes to this incredible cause, right? Like there is almost no hospital for children in Poland that does not have a piece of equipment, state of the art, fantastic equipment with that Voshp, as we call it, Wielka Orkiestra Świątecznej Pomocy with its heart on it, right? With a sticker that it comes, it's actually bought with people's money, right? Not from the government, not from anybody else. It's just the people who've donated that money. Sometimes it's small, sometimes it's big amounts, but it's the most beautiful, beautiful cause in the world. So thank you, Eva, the boss in charge of the whole Canada team. You have done such an amazing job and uh, we're very happy. We're going to continue. Definitely. We're going to continue. Thank you for organizing the whole finale and oh that was fun that That was fun you were definitely in your element so we are going to continue together we for sure will this time we actually did it together right last year you were just with me for a few minutes but this time we did it fully together i really really enjoyed it me too So at the end, we're going to finish with the typical Wielka Orkiestra Świątecznej Pomocy greeting and like whatever we say at the beginning and the end, which is? Siema. Siema. That's how we say it, Siema. And please stay tuned because next year it's going to be even bigger. Thank you, Eva. Thank you, Gosia. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Kudos to everybody. You can read about the previous year's campaigns and listen to my interviews with the volunteers, with the artists performing at the live concerts, and with many others involved in the Canadian campaign in episodes 50 and 61. So please go to mypodcast.com and have a look at those stories. Shema! I 
Irene Tomaszewski is a Canadian writer, editor, and translator of Polish descent living in Ottawa. For many years, the editor-in-chief of the Cosmopolitan Review, an online English-language magazine on Polish affairs, established in 2008. Polcast featured an interview with Irene about CR, the Cosmopolitan Review, in episode 6. Irene Tomaszewski's family story is also very interesting, and we talked about it with her on podcast in two segments, in an interview as well as in the story titled A Child's Journey from the Arctic to the Equator. Part one was featured in episode 46 and part two in episode 47. She talked about this unbelievable story of thousands of Polish children, herself included, traveling from Siberia via Iran and India to Africa during World War II. Part one focuses on the Iran and India chapter, whereas part two on the African part. Today, I reach Irene Tomaszewski in Ottawa to talk about an interesting story she has recently discovered. Irene, long time no here. We haven't been talking for a long time. Quite a long time, yeah. Yeah, I do follow you on Facebook because you always have something interesting to say. But this time I really thought we should talk and I'm so happy you accepted my invitation. Because you're a gem finder, you really are. You can always find interesting stories. And this one that I saw you find and I read it on your Facebook was really something that I thought we should um, talk about on podcast because it's related to a Polish uh, issue. And one of those that are not known, Bogumił Vitalis Andrzejewski. I want you to just tell us the story. It's connected with Africa and you have a connection with Africa. It's connected with Canada. It's connected with Poland. So it's like a whole mix. It is all that. And I was not looking for Poland. I wasn't looking for a <laughs> Polish issue. I was reading the Globe and Mail and I was reading an article about Margaret Lawrence, who's a Canadian writer, but... Still studied, but she's not in the news all that much in recent years. I remember reading her, but here was an article about her in the Globe all of a sudden. And uh, it starts out with, very early on, with the fact that Margaret Lawrence was discussing identity with B.W. Andrzejewski. That was it. They said nothing more about this man. I thought, well, this is ridiculous. <laughs> who the hell knows who Andrzejewski is? But it was enough to spark my interest. I mean, I read the whole thing, and they were they were having these discussions in Somalia. Okay. So I started uh, looking him up. And Wikipedia actually doesn't give you much on him right away. In fact, a line and a half, I think, that told you he was a linguist. Polish-born, British-naturalized. So I wanted to know more. And it's there, and it's very, very interesting. He was one of the veterans of the Polish armies in exile during uh, World War II. He was uh, a student, fairly young when he was still at the Lyceum in 1939. Briefly, the Germans got him. He somehow escaped and um, fled via um, Slovakia, Hungary, uh, somehow after that to Turkey and then on to the Middle East. And there he joined that famous Polish brigade that was tra training in Palestine. You know, it's been written about quite a bit. Um, among other things was the great battle at Tobruk and so on. So he was involved in all that. 
and he was wounded at Tobruk. But here comes the really interesting stuff, because the war stuff I've read a gazillion times. But the really interesting stuff is this young man in that short period of time learned both English and Arabic. And I thought, oh, wow, now this is interesting. So after being wounded, he convalesced in a hospital in Egypt, in Alexandria. And then he was put to work doing um, various things because by now he had all these languages, maybe not totally fluently, but going for him. Uh, the war ends, he ends up in England, he goes to Oxford, he finishes his studies, but he still has a trace of an accent. But he did get actually an offer to um, go to Somalia because it was a British, I love the euphemisms, it was a British protectorate still. So he went there and there he fell in love with the language, the culture, the, uh, the literature. And he learned it. And Somali isn't exactly Arabic, so it meant another language. And Somali itself was not yet a written language. Um, it had been written a little bit in Arabic, but primarily either by the sheikhs who were doing official stuff and the clerical group, the imams. But that's sort of like a clerical language. But they had a, a wonderful oral <coughs> tradition. For the first time, I really found out because he mm -hmm. said something somewhere, how the oral tradition works. Some, a storyteller would tell a story, you know, from their past. Immediately when he's finished, one of the young listeners would recite the whole thing right back and they would do it verbatim. Because oh. by now, this careful listening and memorizing became kind of, um, well, became a, a, an important skill and something that they did. But... Still, people wanted to get an orthography for it. And he proposed a Latin-based uh, alphabet, which is still in use today. Although there were some discussions about it, um, because for some Somalis, a Latin-based alphabet was a little too close to imperialism. On the other hand, the only other one that was at hand was... Um, Arabic. And although Islam uses Arabic throughout wherever, wherever Islam is, nevertheless, that was, you know, a, a bit of imperialism too, actually, because the Ottomans were not Somalis. So anyway, finally, uh, at some point, and I think it was around 1970, somebody decided, no, it's going to be officially the Latin-based one. And while they still use the others if they want to, this is the one that was accepted. So I was very impressed by this guy. I thought well, he must have been brilliant. Uh, he got his PhD, by the way, somewhere along that way, because his PhD was obviously linked with doing this uh, language. But he translated a tremendous amount of um, Somali poetry and other literature. He also wrote poetry in Polish. I couldn't get my hands on any, not that I spent days and days and days researching it. I called a couple of friends in Poland. One of them had never heard of him. And one said, I vaguely remember him, something to do with Africa. A poet, wasn't he? There, that's all I got from the Polish friend. I know his papers are at the SOAS School, uh, University of London, the School of Oriental and Asian Studies. 
and then um, also copies of all of his papers were uh, deposited with the uh, School of Polish Studies in Bloomington, Indiana. Got a little bit about his wife, who was extremely supportive of his work. Joined him everywhere. Was she Polish? No, she was. Oh, no, she was English. He must be a hero in Somalia, right? Because of the work he did for the culture. Is that the case? Do they remember him? Do they celebrate him as a person that was so instrumental in uh, making that oral tradition known? True. Uh, Well, one, one scholar said that a generation ago, every educated Somali knew his name or his nickname, because, you know, this is, um, Polish names can be tricky. Um, but they knew his nickname, which was Gush Bogumil. Bogush. He's recognized as a scholar, but, you know, how many scholars are, quote, heroes? He didn't do it completely alone. He worked with that other. He actually, he had a very important Somali collaborator. I don't think otherwise it would have worked. And this Somali had studied linguistics and phonetics. So they worked on that together. Uh, So, yeah, he's very well known there. And, uh, you know, we ended up such a huge diaspora. But to hear people talk about, quote, Polonia, you'd think we were all, all we did was go to church. So I want to find out what did the others do, the ones who disappeared from our narrow vision here, you know, because they did many things. And and I would like to, you know, I'm fascinated whenever I come across them. And you do. You've done that so many times. You've found all these gems all over the world. Yeah. You stumble across them, actually. <laughs> do you remember any cases which really surprised you? Because this one is quite surprising, right? It's, yes. it's surprising in a very nice way. Wow, what an amazing story. Mm. Do you remember any others that made you say, wow? I mean, obviously, my sailor was something, and it made a lot of people say, well. And, and that was kind of fun because Canadians took an interest in him, whereas Paul's did not. There's a very interesting man who recently died here in Ottawa, and that's uh, Juliusz Wukasiewicz. He's a great scientist, and he worked on NASA. He's invented many things. He's a great aeronautical engineer and so on. And I looked him up, too, because I wanted to know a little bit more. His father was um, part of um, Piłsudski's group and later was, was a diplomat in, in the 30s. And he was a Mason, you know, the dreaded Masons that everybody's so mm-hmm. afraid of. Um, but an awful lot of Piłsudski's men were Masons. So there you are. These little gems broaden the whole picture of the Polish story, which I think otherwise is very often told in a very narrow way. And you also uh, did um, quite a lot of work promoting those stories in the Cosmopolitan Review. It hasn't been done in four years. But it's still available and people still come back to it, which is wonderful. They do. And and I get emails because what's happening now is people, I suppose they stumble across it too. People read them and they say, oh, my grandmother was in Isfahan or here or New Mm. Zealand or somewhere. And they realize they know nothing about it. So a lot of them get in touch and I sometimes lead them, you know, give them hints as to where they can do more. They have to look around. Somebody was asking for more information about Isfahan. I think at Jagiellonian, there's a group that has been studying the Polish orphanage at Isfahan. I've always been mystified by the fact that this very exotic part of our, it may be a small part of Polish history, but it is so fascinating and a magnificent city, you know, it was 
for such a long time in the early part of the last millennium was considered the most beautiful city in the world. From what I can see in pictures, it still is. And there were a thousand orphans uh, put in an orphanage there and they were so beautifully treated. Yeah. You know, they were welcomed everywhere. They had doctors, they could go to the museums. The older ones went on, talk about a field trip. Can you imagine a field trip to Persepolis? <laughs> These kids just got out of Siberia and suddenly they were taking a field trip to, to Persepolis. Well, thank you for this story. It's wonderful. And it's, I'm sure people can look into it. But even if they don't, then this is, there's somebody new that they just met today, thanks to you. Bogumil Vitalis Andrzejewski. I hope that they realize that Canada is also full of these people whose paths we crossed at one time too. Thank you so much, Irene. And I do hope that when you dig out another gem, we will be able to talk about that again. I really would love that. I, I just post these days because I have nothing to do. These are my pandemic musings. I'm glad that, uh, you know, you found it interesting and carry on with your wonderful podcast. <laughs> we'll try. Thank you, Irene. I hope okay. to talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. All right. Bye for now. The Global Awareness Movement, GAM, is an initiative created by very young people from Poland, which is spreading all over the world. It's innovative, has ambitious goals, and what's really important is developed and managed by its young inventors, with mentorship of Jola Kulik from Young Talent Management. Today, I'm talking to Pola Janowska and Mary Marysia Grupinska, whom I reach in Warsaw. Paula and Mary. Okay, I'm talking to two very dynamic Polish girls who have done incredible stuff. Who are you guys, Paula and Mary? My name is Paula Janowska. I am 14 years old and I am in the first year of high school. And um, I joined Camp Junior in 2021 in June, I think. My name is Marysia Grupinska and I am a 15-year-old IB student and I am the leader of Happy Kid Mission. Okay, well, now we're going to find out what these things are. Both of you and a whole bunch of other people are involved in something that you call GAM. And GAM is, to tell everybody, it's Global Awareness Movement. What is it exactly that you're involved in and what is GAM about? A Global Awareness Movement consists of Young Leaders Alliance, which is a project for older people like university students. And then we have GAM Voices, which is a TEDx style event for teenagers. And we have Happy Kid Mission, which is a project focused on um, personal growth and mindfulness. And you, Marisha, are in charge of the Happy Kid Mission. Yes. Happy Kid Mission organizes meetings once a month. Uh, where we discuss various topics and listen to the opinions of others. Um, above all, we try to change our lives to more conscious ones. Uh, at our meetings, young people have the opportunity to learn the basics of meditation or mindfulness and listen to speeches prepared by their peers. 
on various topics related to a happy life. This is a new youth-led initiative for young people. At what age? Uh, more or less from 14 to 18. So that's your goals. How do you achieve them? What do you do? Um, we organize meetings once a month on various topics, such as trust, uh, friendship, gratitude, celebrating small wins. On each meeting, we have a different speaker who gives a short speech about the topic. And then we have a short discussion about it and a seven-minute uh, guided meditation. Right. And this is all done in English. Of course. The reason being that you have people from not only Poland. Uh, Happy Kid Mission is a global project. So uh, youth from all around the world is able to join our meetings and are more than welcome. Paula, what is your role in GAM? I am the global project head. So I kind of take care of all the projects, but I mainly focus on GAM Voices. Okay, can you tell us what GAM Voices is all about? Uh, GAM Voices is a TEDx-style event. On each meeting, we have one guest speaker, so like an older person to aspire to, like a university student or just like an activist or someone like that. And then we have three like youth speakers, high school students, and uh, we discuss the topic which is given. So the last meeting was about procrastination. Can you give us some more examples of other topics that you've already covered? We also talk about leadership and we talked about self-esteem. And this month we'll talk about setting and achieving meaningful goals. How did you get involved in this? I started in June, August, something like that, like in vacation uh, 2020. So I... My dad sent me a link to the first Young Leaders Alliance meeting, which is also a part of Global Earners Movement. And I joined the meeting. It was about Black Lives Matter. And I really liked it. So I contacted Ms. Yola Kulik also, and I started working with her. And she came up with the idea of me making a similar project, but for a younger audience. I started cooperating with her and Paula in... September, I guess. Um, and that's how it all started. So your audience is what, like what age bracket? So GAM Voices and um, Happy Kid Mission have an audience of teenagers and maybe sometimes someone a little bit older, but not much older. And Young Leaders Alliance is more for university students. So, um, yeah, it's also one of our projects. Obviously, you're not on your own in um, both of these projects, right? There must be a team of people working with you. Who are these people? Obviously, we work with Yolanta Kulik, which kind of coordinates everything. And then with Karolina Lewandowska, and she is a post-university person. She also helps us out and helps organize everything. So we have also some other people which, like, coordinate art or music or um, outreach, stuff like that. And Mary? Uh, that is the same group of people when it comes to organization. Um, but when it comes to Happy Kid Mission, we also have this project called Happy Kid Mission Community. And it's basically a group of youth who share their opinions on a group uh, on Messenger. How do you let people know about what you do? I know there's a website, which is actually beautiful. I love the graphic side of it. 
Um, but is there anything else? How do you reach out? We have a Facebook and a Instagram account. So yeah, we communicate mostly by those two profiles. Um, mostly Instagram, actually. You've been you've been doing this for for how long now? Like about half a year, is that right? Yeah, more or less. More or less, right? What has it taught you? I definitely learned a lot about myself, and I definitely gained um, speaking skills. I guess so. I became more confident in how I speak. What about you, Mary? Marisha. So first of all, I learned a lot about. Um, communication about how important it is and how it is different from um, communicating with people from your country and communicating with people from other countries. I also gained a lot of public speaking skills and confidence, as Paula mentioned before, because this project definitely it definitely needs these kinds of skills. <laughs> definitely, of course, absolutely. Where is this project going? What's your plan? And where do you want to be, say, about a year from now? Right now we're working on a new project, which is called the Global Awareness Movement Times or the GAM Times, which is going to be a newspaper, an online newspaper, where um, we'll talk about different topics, which we also talk about meetings, but we will do interviews with different people. Uh, how many people do you think are going to be involved in this newspaper? Uh, probably a few, but I'm not sure yet how many because that depends on how it's going to be structured, if it's only going to be interviews or if some other people will have like columns in there. Mm. So it really depends also how often we will be writing in there. Right. So okay. this is just like a plan for now, but we that's will. A beautiful plans. Wow, that's fantastic. And would you also give a chance for um, other people from other countries to contribute? You know, their own texts, their own articles, maybe. Definitely, definitely, mm -hmm. we would love to do that because it's a global project. How did you guys ever like get to know each other? Did you know each other before? Uh, yes, me and Paula are uh, best friends since third grade. Um, so that's how we got to know each other. Uh -huh. And Helena and everybody else who is part of your big team? Uh, we met the rest of the team through Miss um, Yolanta Kulik. What countries do you collaborate with? But right now we are mostly working with Bangladesh, um, Kenya, Poland, obviously, um, Hungary and some other countries. It kind of depends because to different meetings, different people join. But yeah, and we also have a person from Australia, from India, and um, we also have some people in the US. But oh, it's obviously great. hard because of the time difference, like pick a time which works for everyone. Right, exactly. How do you deal with the time difference? What time do you normally organize your meetings, the Polish time? At 1 p.m. Polish time, which is 12 a.m. UTC. Six o'clock my time. Okay, a.m. Whoa, that's that's actually, yeah, this is challenging to probably a lot of people that would like to participate. Are your meetings recorded and uh, can people see them later? Uh, yes, uh, all of our meetings are live on Facebook and then they are saved there. So. Whoever would like to see what you have done so far can actually go where? Give us all the information now. To the Facebook page of Young Talent Management. And you also talked about your Instagram account, right? Which is what? 
Um, for Happy Kid Mission, it's happy.kid.mission. GAM Voices has just GAM and then DOM Voices. And then there's Global Artist Movement and then underscore for like the main account where everything is posted. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's your website, right? Yes. So are you excited about all this? I mean, it's, it's so amazing that you already have people from all over the world. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's super exciting, but like it's a lot of work, especially with like school and then other projects that we have. It's a lot of work, but it definitely pays off. So that is not interfering yet with your schoolwork, right? (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) We will see. We will see, of course. Well, anyway, listen, I want to congratulate you. And it's it's quite amazing. And I'm really happy to have met you and to introduce your projects because there are so many projects. And I hope your um, Global Awareness Movement Times works out beautifully. Well, all the best. I'm keeping my fingers crossed and I'm very happy that we'll be working together. All the best to you guys. And um, yeah, take care. Thank you so Thank much you. for having us. Thank you. Please visit our website at mypodcast.com to get more information and to find the website and all the other contact information for GAM. If you like what you heard, share it and tell others. If you want to help me make podcast, please donate to our podcast fundraising campaign, mypodcast.com slash support. Every penny counts and will be most helpful in paying for servers, equipment, etc. Thank you to all our existing patrons. Your help is greatly appreciated. I do encourage you to go to podcast Facebook page. For quite a while, I have been posting articles about Poland in foreign press, in English, American newspapers, British, Canadian, but also some that are published in other countries, sometimes also from Poland, but all in English. So I'm sure that could be of great interest to our listeners. Well, this is the end of episode 90 of podcast produced and hosted by me, Margaret Bonikowska, in Toronto, Canada. I want to thank you for all your emails, phone calls, and your comments and ideas. I'm really happy that podcast is reaching people in so many places in the world. Please visit podcast's website, mypodcast.com, where you can listen to the previous episodes and read stories related to all the interviews featured on podcast. We will meet soon in March. Be well and please look after yourselves and others.